Hello and welcome. This is the Network Collective Community Roundtable podcast, and I am your host, Jordan Martin. Today's episode is something a little different. If you didn't know, Tony and I have just recently started a new branch to Network Collective content, and it's a live stream show that you can catch on YouTube, Twitch, or even directly from the Network Collective website. To change things up a bit, we recorded the episode that you're about to hear during our most recent live stream. Now, one of the things I love about the live stream format is the fact that it's interactive. You'll hear call-outs to friends and listeners who are providing their thoughts and insights back to us in response to the things that we're discussing. We've been enjoying it quite a bit, and you should join us sometime if you think that that sounds interesting. Our goal is to record weekly. Uh, Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern is our target. But that's really kind of a best effort kind of goal rather than some sort of commitment. At the risk of sounding like I've gone full YouTuber here, the best way for you to know for sure when we're streaming is to head on over to our YouTube channel, click subscribe, and click the bell icon so you can be notified when we have an upcoming stream. Now, we're also taking the most interesting tidbits out of these streams and releasing them as clips on YouTube. So even if you can't make the live recording, you should be able to catch the best moments of the live streams in short and easy to watch clips on our YouTube channel. So to make it easy to find us, I have a short URL to our YouTube channel that you can use, and that's tnc.li slash YouTube. Again, tnc.li slash YouTube. We'll also include this link in the show notes. Now for the content of today's episode, a conversation in the Network Collective Slack prompted some conversation about how to build a network. No, not the packet switch networks that we're all so familiar with, but rather a personal network of peers. Not everyone has the privilege to attend trade shows and conferences throughout the year, and all of us have lacked that privilege for a while now due to COVID. So how does one build a pervasive network without in-person events? We also discuss some methods to set yourself apart from the crowd in ways that don't include peer relationships. So before getting started, I wanted to give a shout out to the sponsors of today's episode. Uh, first up is Blue Cat Networks. Blue Cat is a first-time sponsor, but a longtime friend of the show. And they're putting together some great content and a great community surrounding the topics of DNS, DHCP, and IPAM. Also sponsoring the episode today is a returning sponsor, Unimus. Unimus produces an easy to use but powerful network automation and configuration management solution. It's designed for fast and easy network-wide deployment. And we'll be sharing more details about each of our sponsors later on in today's episode. We, we were talking in the Network Collective Slack. Uh, I, was, I was trolling for topic ideas for the show. Just in general, um, I'd like to ask around because obviously I, I can get involved in the stuff that I do. And there are periods of time on the show where you can tell I, be, I get a bit tunnel visioned on topics only because those are the things that I've been working in. Um, yeah, naturally. So, yeah, me, yeah. me too. Yeah, it's it's only what I see, you know. <laughs> exactly. And so I asked around, and also we're getting close to, like, I've only got a few more slots for the rest of the year. And so I was just kind of asking around, seeing if there was anything that was interesting that we could we could put together. And one of the guys in the Slack um, came through and was like, you know, I'd really like to talk about, you know, like really kind of about the idea. Of, it's both personal brand building, but also personal network building. Uh, and And like how to do that. And in the context under which you brought it up, and I thought it was interesting, was around COVID. But it wasn't really fully around COVID. So, so for some of us who are in this industry and we go and we have the opportunity to go to conferences or different types of events, like we're really feeling like we're missing out right now. 
um, because of the fact that, you know, all those in-person events just haven't happened. And so I haven't been able to see a bunch of my friends and peers and people I normally would connect with throughout the year. Um, just not just not happening. Everything's happening virtually, and that has its own its own thing. I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the <laughs> but for some people, that's not their norm. For, for a lot of people, I would say even the large majority of people, they don't get to go to conferences all the time. They don't get to uh, go to events where they get to meet people and kind of build friendships and 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 peer relationships. And so, uh, and so this particular individual is, is currently like working on his resume and working on possibly finding a new position. And he's like, you know, like it, it all started with asking about the resume. That's where this all started. I'll ask about like, Hey, can someone help look at my resume? And a few people jumped in and said, absolutely. And then someone jumped in and basically was like, you know, like I haven't had to use your resume for a while. Um, so like, I'm not sure I can help all that much. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I haven't done it. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, there's kind of a dichotomy there because I mean, your resume is usually the way you sell yourself, the way you represent yourself to a company is looking for a person. And it was really interesting because I realized that I probably haven't had to use a resume in a long time either because of the things that I do. The fact that I am out there that people already know who I am. And it's usually through friendships, not because people know who I am. Cause Ooh, look, I run a podcast. It's, it's people know who I am because <laughs> of people I've met through um through these events and they either reach out to me or i reach out to them and there's a there's a a personal um there's a personal connection right that i already have before it happens and so like i think the past two jobs the resume i've submitted has been a formality (laughs) you know like the resume doesn't come in until after it's already i won't say necessarily decided but it's like okay yeah we definitely want to talk to you um, but you're gonna have to go fill out this application and that's where the resume gets put in. And it's kind of like, you know, like they already know they want to talk to you before it is because I have an established reputation. So how does a person earlier in their career do two things, right? And this is what I really want to talk on for a while. Like how do they build, um, how do they build their resume, right? So when you start your resume, it's kind of hard to fill a page. <laughs> you do a few things, you have a, a, a individual responsibility, but then how do you build that personal network? And especially within the context of either COVID where we can't get out to these events, or um, if you aren't, if you don't have the same privilege as some of us do, right, of, of getting out to these events and getting to meet people and interact with them in person, how do you do that? So Tony, I don't, I've talked a lot kind of like, setting the groundwork mm-hmm. for the conversation. I'm kind of curious, like, what are your thoughts? Where do you start from a baseline perspective? Well, well, I, I actually, I kind of just want to bring up two points. I do want to talk about the important things to include in a resume and some of the things that I think matter. Um, and the, but, but also giving someone your resume as you, when you apply for a job, uh, like, where does that come from? Like that, that has come from like years and years and years of how people did business and they did business uh, in that manner because there wasn't social media. Social media didn't exist, you know, 20 years ago. And so people didn't have an online presence. People didn't have, you know, code that you can go reference or public materials that people could examine. You had what was on your sheet. And, and that's what you walked into a company with, to the, to the hiring department. And I just think maybe now it's a different time. It's a different age where I have more content out there in social media land, um, whether it's technical blogs or just fun stuff, um, than, than the amount of stuff that I can put on a resume. And I think sort of 
holistically, it all builds a picture of who I am. Uh, so I think the resume is still important, but less impactful, definitely. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, do we have a duty as as people seeking employment, do we have a duty of building a social media presence? Is that the expectation or is that just a nice to have? Uh, I mean, because it certainly can help build your brand, you know, and that's kind of what we want to talk about. But but is it is it mandatory? Is that the expectation from employers now? Um, I know, for example, when we hire people who code um, or developers, you know, like, hey, I, I need to see your GitHub. Um, is is like one of the first things you know we want to ask for. Maybe, maybe it's not the most important thing, but it is definitely something we want to see your code. We want to see what you've done because I think that's the expectation. Because once you come to work here, you're going to be working on our projects in GitHub and probably some of your own as well. You know, for for study for advancement. And um, what if there's someone out there who just says like, no, I, I don't do social media, I'm not on Facebook, I'm not on Twitter, and I don't want to be. Do they have less of a chance of getting hired when they walk in with a piece of paper only? Maybe. It's a different time now. Yeah, I, I think I, I would <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily so, say social media. So I, I differentiate a public body of work and social media. Those are two separate things to me. Social media is about personal interactions, about building a relationship. Uh, at least that's the ideal. Um, I don't know that it's always that way, but, or I know that it's not always that way, but that's the ideal. The ideal is that uh, in a social media uh, capacity is you're building relationship. You're having regular conversation with people. And so in this, I would have communities like we've built with Network Collective where in Slack, like there's a lot of learning and a lot of technical that goes on, but a lot of it's about relationship and just having peers and being able to bounce things off of people. So you have that social component, but then you also have the body of work. So you brought up something like GitHub, or I would I would put like a blog in this category. Very much yeah. almost like unidirectional type stuff. Now, GitHub is obviously a functional um, tool, but it's also a unidirectional advertisement of your work. <laughs> so if you think GitHub and it's public, someone can look at it and make a decision about whether or not you're really competent in this thing that you're doing without ever interacting with you. Um, and I would say the same is true for a blog or, you know, if you're going to put together videos or whatever. Both of them are tools. I wouldn't say either of them is required. I would say that, that you know, but you might be the disadvantage to somebody who does that. I mean, like if you, I, there's something about expertise that I've kind of been just chewing on for a long time. And, and it doesn't, I'm not even saying you have to be considered an expert for this to be relevant, but there's something about expertise we tend to believe that people who've written the sources are the experts. So the more that you plug yourself in to being one of the sources, the more it just gives you an aura of being an expert, whether you are or you aren't. It's not some sort of social credibility. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a credibility because of the fact that you were willing to put it out there. And the reality is, is that you may be at the same level as 100 other candidates, but you're the one who put it out there and was able to demonstrate it. And I think that that carries a quite a bit of weight. And so when you, you know, when when you talk about how do I get a leg up? This is one way to get a leg up. It's hard. <laughs> it's risky. You're putting yourself out there. It's uncomfortable. Oftentimes, like you're working in an area where a lot of other people have already worked. And so, you, you know, like I've heard this often is like, you know, and I've, I've fought through this myself. In fact, we just released a video today on imposter syndrome, where I think it was brought up the idea that um, this has already been worked on before. So why, 
why do I need to like, what am I going to add to the conversation? And that's a, that's a real, I mean, that's, that's not, a lot of people just dismiss that, but that's a real thought. There's real value in that thought, actually. You know what I'm saying? Like who wants just another person regurgitating, you know, uh, regurgitating something on a blog. It doesn't really add help, but in the context of demonstrating your skills, it actually does help. Even if a hundred other people have written about it, you writing about it. If someone goes to look you up, all of a sudden they see that, Hey, this person does know the, the, like, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of configuring OSPF, you know, or whatever, you know, like the idea is it's, mm-hmm. it's there and it's something that is uh, it's kind of a living resume for you. So mm-hmm. I think it's, I think, I think that the answer you, the question you asked is, is it required? And there was kind of a sub question there is, are you at a disadvantage if you don't, I would say it's not required. There's lots of ways to demonstrate technical capacity and not every job has to be obtained through relationship but it's easier (laughs) if you do have a living resume that's out there on the internet and it's easier if you do have relationships and so i would you know i would say that is it required no but is it helpful absolutely and just in my own story it's been transformational so uh, like it talked about that idea that that jeff was a catalyst for me I met Jeff at a training, a Juniper training of all things. <laughs> He's helping you with Juniper. Of course. Stuff. Yeah, a Juniper training man. Of, of all things. Well, he wasn't at the time, um, but we both were getting into Juniper at the time. We both ended up at a training at the same time, and we both just happened to be assigned to be lab partners. And yeah, the same pod. <laughs> same pod, that's right. And, uh, and, and not, to, not to pat myself on the back, um, Jeff was definitely way ahead of me at the time. Um, probably still way ahead of me just in general from a from a learning perspective, but he was way ahead of me at the time. But if there was a second person in the class, it was it was me. And so the two of us would like go through and there was a lot of people who were very not hands on people. I don't even know what they were doing in that class to begin with. Yeah. We'd go through and finish yeah. a lap and then we'd step outside and talk. And he's like, dude, you need to get on Twitter. And I'm like, why do I need to get on Twitter? Like, I don't have any I don't see any value in telling somebody like, you know, what sandwich I ate for lunch. Like, cause that was the idea I had of what Twitter was. <laughs> right, right. And he's like, no, I follow all these great networking people. And so I did, I went on and I went to the pe- list of people that he followed and I followed a bunch of them and started talking with them on and off. And then I went to my first Cisco live and I had some, yeah. just some baseline relationships. And with those baseline relationships, like, Oh, that's who you are. It's nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. And then, then it starts, and then, then you go back, and it's like, oh, it's good to see you again. Like, let's go grab a coffee, or let's go grab a bite to eat. And now, like, I have lifelong friends uh, that have developed out yeah. of that. And those lifelong friends, you know, like I don't look at them this way, but they're assets in my career. Like, whether it's in a specific problem that I have, I have friends who are deep into wireless, who are excellent at wireless. I dabble, but I'm not that deep. So if I need, if I'm out of my depth and I need to answer for something. I can go Google and I'm going to do that first. But if I can't find my answer, I'm going to call my buddy. I'm going to be like, dude, <laughs> lead me in the right direction. Like, like point me in the right direction here because I don't, I'm not finding anything. Right. And then I've had the same happen for me, which is cool. But on the other end, my job that I'm in now was a referral. It was somebody who knew me, who reached out to me because there was an opening on the, and they knew that I would be good at it. And so mm-hmm. it was it's like, you know, like, so they're assets. They become assets and it becomes an important thing. And that's, that's kind of why I think that, you know, like I would recommend to anybody to at least the least amount of investment is the social side. Like, and you don't have to be super active. Um, 
you don't have to be like prolific on it, but start building relationships with, with people that you respect and, and see where it goes because it's not going to hurt. Uh, it doesn't have to be that. But I think the real value is in doing something that demonstrates your competence. Write a white paper, write a blog, write something, do something, right? That shows that you have, have something out there. Yeah. So actually, I want to I want to comment on a couple of those things. Um, when you mentioned uh, uh, Jeff, you know, encouraged you to get on Twitter, and then once you finally made it to Cisco Live, um, you know that you you guys had you had followers, or you were following people that you were meeting, um, and uh, and and you have that 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 commonality. And at all the Cisco Lives that I've been to, I have been someone who has approached someone else and said, "I follow you." You know, that's how we met <laughs> and it's in like, person. yeah, it, it's like, it's, you know, at Cisco live, when you say it in the, in the tense of Twitter, it's not creepy to say like, I'm following you, <laughs> but like, that's how you introduce yourself to people. I follow you. I'm so I'm at show IP interface brief. Yeah. You know, I remember I did that. I actually, I don't know why I always pick on Nick Russo. Maybe it's just cause like he, he's an absolute mystery to me, but that's how I introduced myself to him at Cisco live. I said, Oh, um, I follow you on, uh, on Twitter. I said, you always put out great content. You know, this was many years ago. And he looked at me and he's like, Oh, uh, Amish Tony. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but I had those big, those yes, big bushy sideburns and a straw yeah. hat. Yeah. And he was Amish like, uh, Tony. Amish Tony, right, right. And uh, I'll never forget that. <laughs> But uh, but also, I've also been on the receiving end of that, where I've walked around Cisco Live and people have come up to me and said, hey, I follow you on Twitter. I really like the content that you're sharing, whether it's a blog or a video or just sharing part of my personal life. And, and it's helped to sort of grow that community. So I guess there's a, there's, a, there's a lot to this, actually. There's many facets to this, how to, how to build your resume and also um, build your brand and grow your community. And what I would say is there's not one single silver bullet answer uh, to this problem. There's not a way to do the perfect resume, and there's not uh, a perfect way to do social media so that you'll get the job or you'll be on top. Instead, it's really a delicate balance. It's a balance of building a community of assets around you. And I, Jordan, that's what you just emphasized in, in so many ways. You're building a community of assets around you that can help support you and that you can help support. That's super important. Um, contributing back to that community. Now, you mentioned white papers. Um, yeah, if white papers is your way, if videos is your way, if doing a podcast is your way, or if just putting a blog that gets one watcher a month, putting something out there is is contributing, you're putting it out there. That's important. And also balancing that with a well-made resume. Um, you can't show up with something that was printed from notepad and have a killer social media and an awesome blog and think that those two things are going to compensate for that crappy resume. It's a delicate balance and all of these things need to work together. And that's going to help get you hired or get you promoted or um, by comparison of two candidates that maybe have the same uh, credentials on paper, you know, maybe this guy has done more in the community, is more plugged into the community, knows what's going on. Um, that has value. That has real value. And unfortunately, there are different – I shouldn't say unfortunately. Let me back up. Not unfortunately. Fortunately, there are many different kinds of people in the world. There's a whole spectrum of people in this world. Some are very outgoing and some are very introverted, okay? And most of the time, those more outgoing people are the ones who are going to be out in the community 
whether it's blogs, videos, podcasts, papers, or just hanging out at a networking meetup somewhere, okay? It's going to be those um, extroverts that are out there. The introverts are going to be the ones staying in who maybe are scared to put their stuff out there, don't want to be on camera, don't like the sound of their voice, don't think they have anything of value to add to create a blog or something. Um, and because of that, they might be getting overlooked. And what, so what I'm saying is you have to have a balance of these things in today's world. Okay, if we were talking about the 80s or 90s, I mean, I, I wasn't in networking back then. But again, there wasn't social media and there wasn't this, this networking community. It, it was your resume. It was a piece of paper. So yeah, two candidates could be compared on paper as being equal and, and maybe one would get selected over the other. But now there's more to it than that. So you have to have a balance. So if you don't have a community of assets around you, if you don't have forward-facing content, GitHub, blog, recordings, anything like that, then you have to have a killer resume to compensate for those things. Because when they're comparing candidates, and I think that they do, I think businesses take some of this into account. I really don't think they care about how many followers you have no. or anything like that, but it's the value of the content you put out there. And how well do you know the content that you're putting out there? If it's technical, I should say, if it's technical content. Public so speaking is a big one. You know, I think we talked about this before. You can't put great communication on your resume and have a ton of videos where you're just stumbling over yourself trying to get a point across. Like th these, these things conflict. So, you know, they need to support each other. Whatever you have on paper should be reflected in your videos, your podcast, your writings, and vice versa. Whatever you're, you're putting out there maybe should, can, can support what you have on paper. And I, I just go back to balance. It, it, it's all about balance. There's no silver bullet here. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. So I want to take a moment to tell you more about today's sponsors. And first up is Blue Cat Networks. If networks are your thing, and I imagine they are if you're listening to the Network Collective podcast, you should definitely consider joining the hundreds of network infrastructure and DNS experts in the network VIP community. It's a community of IT practitioners driven by shared passions and frustrations about managing critical DNS, DHCP, and IP address management challenges, which there have certainly been no shortage of this year. Now, you'll get membership to a Slack community of peers that share candid insights and advice, as well as exclusive access to a series of monthly interactive Zoom roundtables. For example, coming up here soon on December 8th, they're digging into the topic of why the cloud and the data center just can't get along. And this panel is actually going to have some folks from the network collective community as well. Uh, so you can join this network VIP community and register for the next roundtable by going to bluecatnetworks.com slash certainty. Again, that's bluecatnetworks.com slash certainty. Also sponsoring today's episode is Unimus. Now, last episode, we briefly discussed network automation with Unimus and its aim to make automation accessible to network engineers. Today, I want to tell you about the configuration management features of the platform. Unimus helps configuration management in a couple ways. The first is a configuration backup for disaster recovery. Unimus performs constant backups of the entire network's configuration. If anything breaks, you will always have the latest known working version of the configuration right at your fingertips. But rather than just storing the most recent version of the configuration, the system is constantly comparing the current configuration to previous versions, giving you not just the most recent backup, but historical backups from every time something has changed on that device. It's this historical change-based perspective that can also assist in change management. 
every change you make on your network is automatically being documented, and you can validate whether a change was expected or not. You can configure Unimus to automatically produce graphical diffs that are delivered to your email or to a team Slack anytime something changes on the network. The config management functionality, together with the network automation features, help Unimus to be a more complete network management system. Unimus runs on-premises. It is multi-tenant ready and supports more than 140 different network device types across 90 or more vendors. You can get a free, no obligation, unlimited license trial or schedule a short technical demo call at unimis.net slash nc. Again, that's unimis.net slash nc. The obvious question and challenge that comes up when you say, you know, have a killer resume is what if you've had one job and your one job is working as uh you know, jack of all trades and yeah. networking. Like, obviously, this is a networking, you know, leaning show because of our of our topic focus here. But you know, like, say you've done everything because that's where I started. I worked in that shop where I did everything, and there was a realization that if I really wanted to advance my career, it's going to have to like narrow it down. Like that whole jack of all trades role only works to a certain degree, um, and then you have to specialize, and then eventually you have to go the opposite direction and know everything again and become a, a full stack engineer. But that's a whole other topic. Um, but uh, yeah, but the, no, I, I think I, I think I got some ideas for that. I mean, yeah. I, I I did exactly that. That was my process. Um, I was doing um, what I call help desk and field technician. Uh, for a small MSP that focused on uh, small healthcare offices, dental offices, doctor offices, and a couple of one-off realty firms and, and, and lawyers' offices. But we had probably 200 of the local dentists and doctors' offices, and we had to be the jack of all trades. And even though my title there was network engineer, I, one day I will tell you guys the story about how I interviewed there. It's absolutely hilarious. Some of my close friends know it. Um, <laughs> But they gave me the title of network engineer, and when they did, once they actually hired me, the 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 lead guy there just kind of looked at me straight in the eyes and just said, um, "You know, we don't we're not a Cisco shop. We don't really do any networking here." And I was just so antsy to get my foot in the door, getting hired, that I took the job because, frankly, I needed the job. Um, but also, I was like, I was just so I, I'll do whatever. I'll install RAM in boxes all day. I don't care. I'll do whatever. And um, and I started out that job doing help desk, answering tickets, answering phones, and being a field tech when servers needed more RAM, when uh, a new switch needed to be installed. These were unmanaged HP switches. Um, and we were running sonic walls at the boundary. Um, so So really not heavy networking stuff. And I really wanted to transition into networking. And all I had at the time was CCNA. I actually got my CCNA before I got my first tech job because I didn't come from a tech background. So I needed some credentials to get my foot in the door. Once I worked there, they didn't, I didn't see a piece of Cisco gear. I didn't touch a piece of Cisco gear. It wasn't a thing. But I continued my studies and I pushed forward through the CCMP while working at that job. I worked there for a year and a half. The CCMP was three tests at the time. Uh, I finished two of them before leaving that job. And what I put on my resume for my next job was only about like five bullets <laughs> worth of stuff that I've done that was translatable to my next job. Uh, I did a uh, basic routing, uh, Windows networking, Active Directory stuff, uh, DHCP servers, DNS servers. Very, very basic stuff. Very, I don't know, maybe entry-level 
maybe associate level stuff that I was doing, but I didn't have the credentials that puts me in the professional level that I was going to at my next job. So how did I fatten out my resume? Well, I didn't just put those five bullet points on my resume. I was also an active member of the local hackerspace, which is a cool little personal in, in-person tech community that's not far from here. It's in, the, it's in a little warehouse and in an industrial place. Got big roll-up doors and there's tons of computer gear and networking gear and all kinds of cool people doing really awesome projects with all kinds of stuff. I built a bunch of MAME arcades and, and people are doing like ham radio stuff. There's a lot of cool tech going on there. So I got into that, uh, just being part of that and exposed to that. I also went to the local community college. There was a cybersecurity club there. I, I'm just a security guy that does networking. That's all I am. So, so I like to hang out there. Because I was in the cybersecurity club, I got picked to be on some of the cyber defense competition teams for my community college. So I did a bunch of cybersecurity CTFs. So now all of a sudden my resume starts going boom, 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 boom. Right. So now I'm part of these CTFs. I work with the team. I'm the lead networking guy for the defense. Um, you know, I, I'm the cybersecurity club. I've given presentations on IP tables. I've done presentations on subnetting. You know, what I mean, I so now I got a resume that has real experience, real hands-on experience, things that I've done, things that you can verify. But stuff when that really didn't happen from ex- your job. Stuff you went out and my yeah, job. you went out and did it. I went out and did it. That's yep. right. And, and I did that because I knew, well, for one, because I wanted to, because that's who I am. But also I knew that what I was doing at my job was not going to back me up as a network engineer moving forward. Yep. No one gave a crap that I was installing sonic walls, those little white sonic wall boxes. No way. No one cared. <laughs> my what? current employer, who I still work for, did not care about that component. And, and so my point is like, like building your brand sort of how I even got the job that I have now, which is the one who I interviewed for when I told you I was writing this resume for was from someone who already worked there, uh, a girl who already worked there. And she was on my cyber competition team in the community college. And how she knew me was, hey, my company is looking for a, a, a Cisco guy. And I remember you were the Cisco guy in our, in our cyber competition group. Would you want to submit your resume? So like, that was my brand. I didn't know I had a brand at the time. In fact, I didn't even consider it until we were kind of like talking about themes for shows. But that's how I got that job. Because when she thought networking and security, she thought of me, I had built myself into that corner. Even though I was doing none of that at work. That's what I was doing. That's what I was teaching myself outside of work. And it was because of that, I was able to add to a resume. So again, there's a lot that you can put on a resume that is real valid experience. Whether you're a professional working in the field now, or you're someone who's trying to get into networking or security, there's a lot of things you can do outside of work or before you get your first job that can show on a resume real, verifiable, valuable things that you've accomplished. If you have a GitHub, we mentioned GitHub blogs, podcast videos, all that stuff. Um, that's all, that's all fine and great, but also get out there and meet some people because like you said, the people side of this, the networking community, they become your assets. That's how I got the job I'm in today. I've still worked for this company. It's more than five years. They're great people. I, I love being around there. And I got there because someone wanted to bring me there who I met at community college because she, she was my asset and I was her asset. Right. So you said some interesting things in there that I want to I want to call it as well. And that is the things that you were working on outside. Those 
that's what you wanted to be doing. That was the direction you were heading. There's a saying, uh, I hate this saying, but I'm going to use it because I think it's a good corollary. And that is, you know, you know, dress for the job that you want, right? Like if, if, if you want to impress somebody, dress. I think that's crazy because I don't like the idea that your dress is going to somehow dictate whether or not you're good at a particular job. I understand the merit. Let's not have an argument about that. I'm looking at you yeah. people who are on the on the YouTube chat right now. I'm just I, I see the. Oh, I'm the not even in the YouTube chat. <laughs> but uh, I'm not but even in YouTube. When when you're looking for stuff to do, you know that's what I'll call extracurricular work. Whether that's writing a blog, or again, if you're doing a podcast, or if you're if you're going to write something and, and just for the purposes of writing it or to get the experience, start working in the direction that you want to be going. So I think about like, like, what did I do? A lot of the things that I looked at were things that were emerging, things that nobody was experts in, <laughs> except for the people who made it. You know, I was, um, there it is, the first one. I knew it'd be Donald Sharp. I'm going to try. I knew. I just absolutely do gnomes dress for the job that they want. Apparently they do, because I've never seen a gnome that hasn't dressed like a gnome. Just saying. Um, but the idea of, uh, if you get in, if you get in some to something that's uh, maybe just emerging, maybe something that's bleeding edge, maybe something you wouldn't necessarily be doing at work, and you can get some experience. It doesn't have to be deep experience, but the idea is do some investigation, some studying, write some things about it, write about your opinion about it, get it out there. Maybe write some code if it's if it's something that can can have some code around it. Maybe write a little tool to do something with it to demonstrate your capacity around it. Somebody will find that useful. It will show initiative, and it's also going to put you, you know, with good visibility into the things that you want to do. Uh, and so I think that a lot of it too is it's not just aimlessly going after you know just writing something technical. It is, it's about like, where do I want to be? And how do I start getting myself there? Even if my work isn't doing it, like, how do I start demonstrating that competence? Um, and I think that that's, that's important. You also mentioned, you know, the idea of, of, of like getting involved with clubs and everything you mentioned was a technical club and there's a ton of merit in that, but I'd also recommend there's a lot of value <laughs> In the soft skills, we have a huge gap here. We have a lot mm. of engineers who are very good at engineering who aren't very good at communication, uh, who aren't very good at interpersonal relationships, that aren't good at managing, that aren't good at a lot of things. And that's okay because their job is to be an engineer. Do you want to stand out? Be the person who can write a technical document on your team. You want to stand out, be the person who can stand up and give a presentation and explain something technical in a way that both technical and non-technical people can understand it. Those skills go so far and being able to demonstrate those skills. So great, go hang out at the hackerspace and geek out and learn some stuff. And that's cool. Go do your CTFs. That's cool too. Maybe spend some time at like a Toastmasters or something, right? That, that helps you develop skills that, make you a more complete employee because when you go in and you show that that goes a long way as well and so i think that it's not just the technical stuff it's also the continuing to advance your capabilities as it relates to the stuff that everybody has to deal with in jobs mm -hmm. um but yep. even more importantly there's something about being able to communicate technology uh it's there's a a huge gap here and i will say that i've built my career on the back of this skill and then it's taking a technical concept and being able to under, uh, explain it in a way that's understandable to the audience that I'm presenting it to. 
So I've obviously put in the time and learned the technical stuff, and that's great to have the technical chops. The real value that I've been able to extract from my career is to be able to communicate what that means and how to get um, how to get buy-in or how to get you know uh, understanding Support, or how to yeah. actually communicate things out there so people understand. Uh, and you know, like one of the most common things I hear is like, we sent out this notice and like nobody replied, and then we did the work and everyone was up in arms because no one knew it was going on. I sent the email. Like just sending the email isn't enough. Um, you have to know how to address that email to a crowd. How, where does the important information go? How does that happen? Communication is just one of those skills that I think can set you apart. And so I think that even if you don't have a deep technical competency, if you can come in and say, I have some technical chops and I'm building those. But what I really bring to the table is this. And I can help you with this while I'm continuing to build my technical chops. There's a lot of people who will listen to you because <laughs> they've lived the pain of not having that on their team. And so I think that that is uh, that's that's another thing there that is to, to focus not only on technical stuff. No, I, I, I totally agree. And I'll just back this up with in case anyone uh, wants to pursue any of the examples that I've given the hackerspace, the security clubs, the technical clubs at, at your community college or, or local groups. Um, those are all places where I've given presentations and places where also presentations were given to me. Um, so, so you start to learn those people skills and those presentation skills there as well. It's not all just technical stuff. People just sitting around all clickety clacking on the keyboard. In fact, sometimes you would just go there and you know, people sometimes just sit around and drink beer and just talk war stories about what they did at work. You know, some of them working, some of them in college. Um, but my point is, is there's a lot of people skills and soft skills to be learned at those clubs as well. In fact, just participating in a CTF as a team, the people that we put on the team are the ones who are the good communicators. Because when I need information about Linux machines, I need someone to explain it to me. When I need information from the Windows domain people, I need them to explain it to me because I'm the network guy. I'm the firewall guy. So I need information and I don't need someone who's just who doesn't know how to communicate that well. So yeah. I think there's a fair amount of people skills that comes out of just being social and physically social with people. You know, you start to read that body language, you start to read the eye contact and, and you just learn how to present data. You know, I have given presentations, not because I felt like an expert, but because I knew it scared me. And I like doing the things I'm scared of. Um and and that's why I still do them. I gave a presentation today at work. It went for 40 minutes. I got a standing ovation. No, I'm kidding. It was a virtual thing. Standing no ovation for working home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to I bring some comments in here. Um, going, going with the serious one first. Um, I talked about sandwiches on Twitter and says, you don't want everyone to know you had a cream cheese and pickle sandwich. Um, but I like the second part in here, uh, and this is Laz. Uh, on a serious yeah. note, first Cisco Live changed my life. It's funny, he says, at least according to my wife, who said I came back a changed man. It, 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 is, it is quite impressive how much uh, that conference, and it's not because it's Cisco. I think it's because of Cisco's size. Um, the value I get out of something like a Cisco Live isn't the fact that it's Cisco, because the technical information is available before and after the conference. And you know, the keynotes are what they are. Um, they're good marketing, right? Like that's what, that's what they are. But they are, um, the real value is the fact that, you know, you have anywhere between 25 and 30,000 other network engineers, people who are focused in this space. And there's just a sea of people that you can talk with and learn from. And it's just, 
uh, it's exhausting. You said something about extroverts tend to be on the public side. Um, I am not an extrovert. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who I know who aren't extroverts who just fake it because they see the value. I sit somewhere in the middle. I mean, like I'm, I'm not introverted to the point of, you know, being crippled or anything like that, obviously. Um, but uh, the definition that's out there that I like, right, is an extrovert is someone who recharges by being around people and introvert is someone who recharges about being by themselves. I'm definitely an introvert. My primary hobby is going out in the middle of the night and taking pictures of stars. Like that's not a, a group or social activity, right? Like that's something that you do on your own. To me, that's refreshing. Um, and so going to something that's go live is exhausting, but it's worth the effort because of because of things like that. Um, yeah, I, I would I would say on that note, um, on Laz's comment, I think when you're when you're at work and you're in your daily life, you feel like sometimes a fish who's swimming upstream. Uh, it's really hard work to try and get ahead, and you work and work and work, and you make very little progress. It's just very hard. Networking shops are are rough places. There's a lot going on now, but when you're at Cisco Live, finally everyone is going with the current. You know what I mean? Like you can just stop swimming upstream. Now we're all swimming together. We're that giant school who's all going together. People you don't even know, people you do know, you know, we're all in it. We're all going the same direction. I think that was so cool. You know, me being there for the first time, definitely. I just kind of realized like, oh crap, these are the people I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> you know? These are my these people. Are the people yeah. doing the things. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you feel that. I mean, so many people, you know, have made the same comment and yeah. it, definitely it's true definitely it's true so i'm picking on last some more here um says you need to sell that jack of all trades as a positive versus a negative uh bring up how you pick things up quickly and how you can manage your own projects which is 100 percent true and i don't regret at all starting as a jack of all trades in fact i think that's been incredibly beneficial to me in my career uh for a couple of reasons and some of them are, are here in the chat um you know like so last again you know, you can sell that to an employer. I can I'm a peg that can fit in any hole. And so there's value in that. Yes, I, I specialize in X, but I've done Windows administration. I've done desktop administration. If you need help, I can, I've, I've worked on databases. I can do some of that. You know, like I can help. I may not be the best person in the world to do those things, but man, like if you need something and, and we're light, but there's a bunch of stuff over here, I can jump in and help. There's value in that for sure. Um, and it's and it's even beyond that. I mean, I think my my sentiment kind of matches what Kevin has here. It says I started as a jack of all trades, IT guy, and that's broad spectrum of knowledge served me well in my career. I don't think it's about just being that that peg that can fit in any hole, although that's valuable. I think that as a networker specifically, everything is impacted by the network. Absolutely everything. So unless it runs on a system all by itself and you just have somebody sitting in a keyboard doing something, the network is going to impact the performance of whatever that user is doing. And so having an understanding about how these systems work, how do application stacks talk to each other? We learn the OSI model as flawed as it may be for the purpose of being able to debug, not just because we're responsible to layer four, but because we need to understand what happens above it, how things get encapsulated, decapsulated, how things actually traverse the network, what TCP IP is doing, not just from the protocol perspective, but what is it doing? What's the effect on the traffic that's using it? And like that's, um, I, I've seen in most shops, and it may not be this way everywhere, that <clears throat> the network team isn't called in right away, but when the problem isn't solvable, the network team gets involved. And I find that because the network team has to have their hands in so much, 
and has to have such a fundamental understanding of what's going on. Um, like it's hard to be a good networker without understanding those other things. I think that that in the case of networking, having the broad start is incredibly helpful. Um, not because I want to spend my time doing user administration, um, but because I understand the way that Active Directory talks to other, you know, uh, domain controllers in the forest and how all that works, you know, like, in, and like that but, helps. But, but I wonder if your perspective of being the jack of all trades, and because I, I share the same perspective, so I should say maybe ours, but um, our perspective of the jack of all trades is really beneficial. Is that beneficial just because we work in sort of an enterprise where the jack of all trades, where, where there's uh, many different disciplines? Like is the and, and maybe I'll just ask this question, and if anyone's in the chat, put the feedback in there, but is the jack of all trades valuable in a service provider? Like, do we need someone who knows how to jump into Active Directory um, if they're dealing with uh, uh, MPLS traffic engineering all day? Um, I'm just curious. You know, tell me I'm wrong. Um, I don't know. But this I would, is ar the I would argue that there's been multiple times when I have been on the customer side working with someone in the service provider, and I wish that they had a broader understanding of IP reachability. Now, I, I think again that but, better but are there, but yeah, but there our, really is doesn't really help. Or our, industry is, scope. our industry is so big, you can't be an expert at everything and you can't know everything. You can know a little bit and specialize in one or two things. That's just the way it is. There's too much volume to consume uh, within the scope of someone's career. Yes, Tony, it's super helpful. Well, if Kevin Meyer said it, then damn it, it must be true. So thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Network Collective podcast. If you enjoyed this and want to find past episodes of Network Collective, you can head to networkcollective.com. There you will find our entire archive of episodes, as well as links to the various places that you can find Network Collective on the internet. You can subscribe to this podcast feed at any of the various podcast directories. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review for us on iTunes if you have a moment. That really helps others who don't know about Network Collective find us. For our video content, you can find us at our YouTube page. The short link of tnc.li slash YouTube will get you there. Or just search for our Network Collective from the YouTube search bar. Please subscribe and enable notifications as we want to see you at our next Network Collective live stream. We typically record Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. We'd love to stay in touch with our listeners via social media. That's where we announce the things that we're up to, link to new content, and interact with our listeners. We're at NetCollectivePC on Twitter and can be found by searching for Network Collective on LinkedIn and Facebook. Last but not least, if you're a regular listener, would you consider becoming a supporter of the show? It's just $5 a month and even less if you pay for a year up front, and it really helps us pay for all of the things that are required to make this show happen. We want to continue delivering valuable content with a minimum of ads and direct support from our listeners helps us do just that. You get some nice perks by being a supporter. You get access to a great community of engineers on the Network Collective Slack, a private feed for the show that has all advertisements removed, and Network Collective merch at our cost. So thanks again for joining us today and for listening to the Network Collective podcast. We'll see you next time.